Good evening. It's great to be with you all tonight. And I've enjoyed seeing the different uh, outfits that you wore. I'm, I'm glad our brother decided to get involved. He, he took a stab at it, amen? <laughs> I was afraid he was going to do some Shakespeare up here on us. But anyway, um, but God's been good to us through these last few days. We've had a fun time and we've had a spiritual time, time to glorify the Lord. And um, I'm just glad that the, the church had invited us, the pastor had invited us, and uh, we've gotten a lot out of it. I don't know if somebody thought I had a dry sense of humor, so they brought me my water up here. I wore the turban, the Tuaregs uh, will wear, the, men, the veiled men of the desert, they call them. Somebody asked me about my camel, I left it outside. They thought I, they had a hunch that I would do that, I think, but uh, anyway. So let's turn to Luke chapter 5, Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter 5. Let's all stand in uh, the respect for the Lord's word here, the word of God. And I'm going to start in verse 1. Luke chapter 5 and verse 1. I like the sound of the pages turning. But if it goes on for five minutes, that's not so fun. Amen. <laughs> I remember teaching the children's church and I saw the need of helping everybody with that. But anyway, I, lo- I love that. I know you're getting into the Bible and you're turning to where you ought to be. Luke 5, verse 1. And it came to pass that as the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God, he stood by the lake of Gennesaret and saw two ships standing by the lake. But the fishermen were gone out of them and were washing their nets. And he entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's, and prayed him that he would thrust out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people out of the ship. Now... When he had left speaking, he said unto Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a draft. Let's pray. Lord, I'm asking that you take your word tonight. You've already ministered in our hearts through the singing, the congregational singing, the choir singing. And Lord, I'm asking that through the working of the word of God and the Holy Spirit tonight, that your will would be done in each and every person tonight. Lord, if there's somebody in here that's still never been born again, Help them to understand this is why we're here together, so that souls can hear the gospel around the world, including here, and and souls can turn to you and trust your blood to pay for their sin. Lord, if there's somebody that's discouraged, somebody that's in some secret sin that only you and they know about, Lord, I'm asking you would work in their hearts. You give them victory over whatever the temptation or sin is, and you'd encourage those that have been discouraged. You'd give them hope. Lord, please use this message in a special way for your honor and glory. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. You may be seated. God's work always begins with the word of God. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God, as we have read many times in uh, Romans 10, 17. And so our job as Christians, I was talking in the teenager class today, is to get the walls down and get the word of God in. I don't care how clever you are at speaking and how much Bible and how much psychology and how much manipulation you can do with talking to people. No, nothing spiritual can happen and no one will get saved if the word of God is not entered in and they don't see what the Holy Spirit's showing them. The Holy Spirit's got to quicken it. So what did Jesus do in this uh, passage? He was looking for a place to teach the word of God. Amen. I mean, think about those days. They were pressing and pushing on him. Sometimes in Africa, I found that happening. I'll go out in an area and I'll hand out tracks. 
A lot of them, they don't even know what it is, but they just see everybody getting it and they're afraid that maybe they won't get whatever it is and I get pushed and shoved around and sometimes the crowds, you got to get in. Sometimes with our kids, we had to close the windows, uh, people be reaching in and whatnot and there's a feeling. Have you ever had the crowd around you just pushing and pressing? But Jesus had a purpose. It didn't matter the pressure. It didn't matter if the people would accept it or not. He had a purpose. He was going to teach the word of God. Now, there were some uh, fishermen that were there that had fished all night, and they caught nothing. These guys, they grew up along the, the banks of the Sea of Galilee, and they knew about fishing. They had seen it all. And yet still, as good as they were, as experienced as they were, they caught nothing. And sometimes in our Christian life, it seems that happens to us. You, you try, you witness, you, it just seems like you're going through the, a, a dry brook experience. And then all of a sudden, God will do something. But maybe you're going through one of those right now. The answer is always, let's get in the word of God. Jesus says in John 15 that if we would abide in him and his word would abide in us then we could ask what we would and it would be granted, but there's a reason why. And he says we would bear much fruit and glorify the Father. How many of you want to glorify God? Amen? In order to do that, we need to produce fruit. And how many of you, you really would like God to produce fruit through your life? Amen? Like this morning, you know, I got known in Africa for doing that. And after a while, I, I'd show up and everybody would be doing something like this. But I mean, I'm all in. Amen? I want God to use me however, as much or as little. I don't mind being back in the shadows if that's where God wants me to be. And, I, and as I've mentioned through this weekend that I was very introverted when I was younger. So it was a really challenge, a big challenge to get in front of people to preach. But, but there's something about it. The spirit of God, the word of God is like fire inside. Got to do it. Amen. If God's put it in you, he's going to get it out of you. Amen. So Jesus says, okay, I want you all um, <clears throat> uh, let me borrow your ship. Reasonable thing. God wants to borrow your ears tonight, amen? God wants you to forget about everything else that's outside, all the problems, all, all the things you're looking forward to, and let's just focus. Let Jesus, through his word and the Holy Spirit, speak to us. So first thing, the press. A lot of people couldn't get to Jesus in one verse, it said, because of the press. And that's true today. The press is the media, amen? And because of the press, a lot of people can't get to Jesus. But that's not what we're talking about here. Verse 2, and... Um, and saw two ships standing by the lake, but the fishermen were gone out of them and were washing their nets. These guys were hard workers. They worked all night. How many of you ever worked shift work? You worked overnight. Then you get home in the morning. I used to work at Kodak in Rochester, uh, New York. And sometimes I'd get out of work. It'd be 7 in the morning. I worked all night, and I was in the daze. And I'm walking, and I lived about a mile away from work, but I usually walked as close as it was. And, and I remember one time I get to the door, and I'm putting the key in it. And all of a sudden, I realized I'm home. I didn't remember any of that walk. And I cross a lot of streets and intersections. That's just scary. Have you ever done that? Or you're driving, you know, uh, Simcoe, 50 miles. And all of a sudden, Simcoe, 10 miles. Where are those four, kilometers up here, I, I would assume? But I've had that happen. I'm driving along, not to Simcoe, but other places. And I'm thinking... I don't remember any of the trip there. Sometimes you're exhausted. Sometimes your mind is just in a daze. And these disciples, I don't think they're looking forward to doing any more work that day. I think that they want to go home and sleep or maybe eat, but certainly not go back out. And they're cleaning up. They had character. They had discipline. They knew the importance of it. They took care of what, what they had been uh, granted in their, um, their job there. So now they're washing 
Jesus says, could I use your, your boat? And they might have said, well, okay, we've got to be here washing nets anyway. Okay, go ahead. So he used it as a preaching platform. And he just pushed out a little from the shore. And the people on the banks now could see him. And it, it just was an ideal thing. So verse um, 4. Now, when he had left speaking, now I'd like to get a CD of that message. I don't know what it was. Amen. I wish that they did it back then. If God wanted us to hear it, he would have given it to us. Amen. He's got enough other things in the scriptures that we never get to as much as we should. So in the meantime, let's just look at those things. But when I get up there, maybe I'll ask him, what, just what did you preach to, the, to that day? Because it was a life-changing message. Amen. Every time you read the Bible, it can be life-changing. Every time you come to church and there's a Sunday school lesson or a message preached, it can be and it should be life-changing. Well, this was certainly a life-changing message that Jesus preached to the disciples that day. So here in, in verse 4, now when he had left speaking, now it's invitation time. He was done, now he gave the invitation. And he said to Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a draft. And after church, that's the intention. Whatever you've heard in the scriptures, whatever the Holy Spirit has impressed in your heart, you're to go out and to put into practice that which God has put in your heart. And so now let's go out and do it. And I real, like I said, I really would be interested to know what he preached. And then it says in verse uh, well, in that same verse four, did you notice it was plural? Let down your nets. Let me ask you this. Are there some nets in your life that you're not letting down? You're not throwing out there hoping that God would fill them up. It could be in, in, in uh, soul winning. Uh, I really appreciate your master's club. That was a real blessing. Coming in in the evening and those, those young ones, those little guys, you've done a good job with them. They paid attention so well and they answered a lot of those questions. And, and I mean, it was just a good, fun time. And keep it up. Amen. That is one of your many nets. And you have RU here? That's, you don't? Okay, I saw an RU, maybe you're praying or supporting or whatever, but that's another net. Um, I remember down in Solid Rock, I saw, we have an RU down there. And so when the guys were there, I said, Are you guys, are you guys? And uh, they didn't understand what I was saying. But anyway, are you is another net. It's an opportunity to reach people and bring them in. So your bus ministry, that's another net. Your music ministry, that's another net. There's some people that, that appreciate good singing, good uh, edifying music. And that's a net that, that God could use to help. Good preaching, good teaching as your pastor will uh, pray for and uh, uh, study for and bring to you each week. Everything you're doing that's a net, keep on doing it, amen? And so maybe there's some net in your personal life that God's been wanting you to do to get involved with one of the nets of this church. Or maybe the pastor and the church wants to throw another net out. They've been praying and thinking about it, and you're part of the team that could be helping in that. You ought to say, Lord, is there some net that you want to cast out from my life that I can help to reach the community? That I can help make a difference in souls around the world. Your missions giving, that is another net. You are enabling souls around the world to hear the gospel. Many times the Africans have told me before I come back to the States, they said, make sure that you thank the churches in America that support missionaries that come around the world. Because you are free to have time to come. When I first got there, I just, I was supported. So I was free to go every day out on visitation with soul winning. They thank you for helping missionaries doing that. So those that have participated, I want to thank you on behalf of souls around the world. And then they said, not only were you able to 
teach us how to be saved and get us baptized, but you could teach and train leaders so that when you weren't there, we had somebody that knew how to study. They knew how to walk with God and they could get something from the word of God and feed us as God led. I want to thank you for enabling missionaries to do that. Your support of missionaries has enabled souls around the world to be fed spiritually, not only to hear the gospel to be saved, but to grow in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then they're, they're so thrilled that they, when they have a, a, a pastor from their own people, their own country, their own area that can speak to them in their language with their understanding of the culture and get something from God and give them what they need Thank you. You ought to be praying, Lord, am I throwing all the nets out that I need to do in that? Do you find out what God wants each of you to do? Amen. But at any rate, God doesn't want you to just toss one net out. You find what God wants you to do, and it's different for each of us. Now, verse uh, um, 5. And Simon, this is Simon Peter, answering, said unto him, Master. Okay, he respected him. He knew he was a great teacher. We have toiled all the night and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the what? The net. Isn't that how we are sometimes? God, will, God has already spoken to many hearts this, last, uh, this week and even the weeks leading up to it. I'm sure the pastor's been preparing you and praying and preaching and teaching. And you know what you ought to do and you do to a degree and you think you know, God's happy with it. But I'm hoping that tonight you'll examine your heart and you'll discover whatever it is that God sees where you've not been throwing out the net that you need to in whatever aspect that is. Maybe it's family devotions. I hope you that have families, you have devotions on a regular basis. And I hope your own personal devotions is, is a thing that goes on every day. Your prayer, your time alone with God, and God speaking to you from his word. That's another net in your Christian life. As you gain in power uh, through that, uh, through, your, through the devotions, you're more useful and you're a bigger net in, in God's hand. So now verse 6. And when they had this done, they threw out one net. They enclosed a great multitude of fishes and their net break. How many of you guys are fishermen? Or how many of you ladies? How many? Everybody. Any, any fishermen or fisher people here? Amen. All right. Um, there's always fishing stories. One guy says, I caught a fish this big. This is the, what he meant. But, you know. <laughs> and uh, one guy told me he was out fishing one time and a big fish. He got on the net. It jumped over his boat and uh, it got away. And they said, well, how heavy was it? I don't know, but I had a scale in there and a shadow weighed 12 pounds, amen? Uh, so if you've ever been around somebody who likes to fish, they got fish stories. But think about this fish story. They pulled, they had the net, and we'll see in just a moment how they, they filled, filled two ships till they were sinking. You're talking about a fish story. Can you imagine if they threw in all the nets, what would have happened? I heard one guy say, maybe the Sea of Galilee would go down six inches when they pulled those fish out, amen? Now that'd be a fish story. But think about it. I believe if they threw in 10 nets, they would have had 10 nets full. They obeyed partially. God bless what, God will bless what you do, but, it, but he's not going to be able to bless what you don't do. Amen? What does God want you to do? What has God been laying on your heart? What is maybe even tonight God's laying on your heart? You know, I used to always have a list of the top 10 that I was praying for, for their salvation. Or maybe they're saved and for them to get into church or growing in the Lord. You ought to have a list of those that you're praying and begging God. That's a good net to have out there, amen? Have specific individuals that you're praying for, for whatever the case or the situation. But that's another net. Throw it all out there. So then verse 6, 
And when they had this done, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes and their net break. It was breaking. They had never, they'd fished all their life. They'd never seen something like this. Verse 7. And they beckoned unto their partners, which were in the other ship. So you could call this the, the partnership. Amen. They needed help. The missionaries have come and we're sharing what, what God is doing and, or what we believe God wants to do in our lives. And you are partnering with different missionaries already. And those that you partner with, it's a partnership. There's no way that they could have filled those two ships unless the two ships were both there and the workers were working together. I believe if everybody in this room would throw in every net that God's leading you to get, throw in, this church, a lot of these pews would be a lot fuller. I believe that. There's souls out there. If only somebody would, would go to them. If only somebody cared enough for them. Um, my dad, he died about a year and a half ago. And uh, he was in an, in an assisted living place. And he, I went to visit him. Well, he talked to everybody in there. He wasn't saved for years. And finally, towards the end of his life, he, he called on the Lord to save him. He was 86 when he died. And so he, um, he, said, he said, I'm talking to them about maybe having you come in and speak. And one day I get a phone call. They said it's, um, it's Senior Citizen Home Appreciation Month or something like that. And so they invited me to come in and tell about my adventures in Africa. So when I pull in there... It's full. My dad was going from room to room, getting them all in there. And then he had his chair he's sitting up in front right next to me. And before he opposed me, he was a, we were Roman Catholics. People say, what's that Roman part mean? Well, for me, I was Roman far from the will of God. I was a Roman Catholic. But anyway, I heard the gospel and I got saved. And my dad eventually got saved. But he's sitting up there and I was surprised. They were packed in. I got to preach the gospel and my dad helped me to do that. Amen. He said, I don't have a whole lot I can do, but I can, I can do this part. And one time I was visiting him, I sat next to him, and he calls one lady, he says, my son Jeff doesn't just love me. He's not just coming here for me. He's coming because he cares for all of your souls. Boy, that touched my heart to hear my dad say that. And um, then he says, we've got to go down and talk to the director. And I think he knew that it wasn't going to be long because it was just a couple of weeks before he died that, that we did this. And so he says, we've got to line, you've got to come back and you've got to speak to the people again. He was throwing out whatever net he had at his disposal. About that same time, um, I was in a Walmart, and that morning I had prayed. I said, Lord, lead me across somebody you want me to witness to. Either you're already working on them or you want to start working on them, and I promise you I'll do my best to get the, the gospel to them. So I'm in Walmart looking for something, and all of a sudden I hear a voice, excuse me, sir, and I see an elderly man. He happened to be 86. His name was Al, and he's wheeling around on one of these electric carts, and says, there's some dangerous folks on some of them. Anyway, he came whipping around there, and he had some... Pepsi and some other stuff. He says, he says, my wrist, I've got arthritis. I need some help with this. So I went over and I helped open the Pepsi for him and he thanked me. And I ended up saying, I believe that God led our paths together. And I was able to give him the gospel. Now he didn't trust Christ right then, but, uh, he says, I hope I get to see you again. I said, and I hope I see you in heaven. And so, uh, I told my wife about that. She says, yes. And you left you left a good taste in his mouth. She wasn't thinking about the Pepsi, but I was. But anyway, he had a good taste in his mouth in more than one way. He was willing and open if anybody else would witness to him. There's a lot of nets we can throw out there. And I, and I just feel burdened and convicted that, that I'm neglecting some of those opportunities. Um, I, don't, I don't know if it would be out of place to, tie, to do that balloon illustration. Okay. Now, this is going to be a breathtaking illustration here, amen? <laughs> anyway. I'll be all tied up here. But um, so 
I did this the other night, but I've done this many, many times. The Lord just, I worked in bus ministry, children's church, and the God's given me some different uh, illustrations along the way. So this balloon's like your life. God wants to use you. Now, I'd like to tie this into something, but I can't. What do I got to do? Blow it up. <laughs> Didn't work, did it? No, I, I blow it up with air. Okay. What's the problem here? I got to turn it over? I don't know if you see, but that's where the hole is. But anyway, so the kids will say, turn it over, and I turn it over, and then in the middle. But then I tie a knot in it, and I'll tell them, all right, now what? They said, you're not going to blow that up. I'll say it's a knotty balloon, isn't it? Amen? It's got a knot in it, so it's knotty, therefore. But anyway, um, that knot is very much like sin. God wants to be in a lost person's life, but they've got to get the sin taken care of. And I'll say, okay, balloon, I want to blow you up and I want to tie you in something, get rid of that knot. Is that balloon capable of getting rid of that knot? No. And you're not capable of getting rid of your sin. But if you put that balloon in somebody's hand that knows how to do it, or put your life in the Savior's hand. Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I know you died for my, for, for my sin. I, I, I'm so sorry. Would you forgive me? I need your death. Please take your death, burial, resurrection, your blood, and pay for my sins. He'll open your life. He'll take the sin away. And then God will come into your life in the person of the Holy Spirit. And uh, he'll be sealed in you till the day of redemption. Amen? And the first thing God does when he comes into your life, he works on your head. This will be a French poodle. So God helps you to understand the scriptures and have a desire for spiritual things. But before you blow it up, he that hath the son hath life. He that hath not the son of God hath not, not life. First John five twelve. So I could try to do that with this and I can't. If you're not saved, then God cannot mold you and change you. He can't make you into what he intends to do. And so now, um, the next thing he does, he works on your hands. Maybe you stole, maybe you fought, maybe you got into immorality, maybe you destroyed stuff, whatever you might have done. Now your hands can be a help to others. You can open the Bible and read it. You can, you can hand out tracts. You can just be a help and a blessing. And then your feet. They used to take you to places they shouldn't take you. And they didn't take you where you ought to be. Maybe you're not always 100% faithful to church. You need to get your feet to carry you into the car and then get your car to bring you here. Amen? And some young folks, the parents call them and <laughs> they run off the other way. No, you'll obey your parents and go where you ought to go. Now they say, well, French poodles, don't they have a little shaved tail? Well, let me try <laughs> People say, what do you call that? Sound doctrine. But anyway, um, so now... Doesn't that, doesn't that look cute? Could I have done that if I didn't blow it up first? God wants to use you, but first of all, you need to get saved. The Holy Spirit's in you. Now God can mold you. And then there's all kinds of animals I make, and then I don't make them, but uh, I uh, mold them. Amen? But God is working on every one of us. This is a net. I don't know how many times I've been places where some kid's running amok and tearing up everything, and everybody's wishing that the mom would get the kid in line, and um, I'll pull out a balloon. I'll just sit there, and I, I don't even look at him, because I know sooner or later, all of a sudden, he's running, and all of a sudden, he stops and looks in front, of, and then I start making that, and now I got everybody's attention, because why is that little boy so quiet? And I start giving the gospel. That is a net. 
You ought to be praying, Lord, enable me to think of how I, you're not me and, and be glad for it. Amen. Yeah, but uh, you are you and there's nets that you have that God wants you to put out. Now, I could tie two balloons together and teach about joint heirs, but I'm not going to do that. Amen. Maybe you think I'm already putting on heirs with this. But uh, anyway, I didn't want to burst my bubble about that one. So anyway, so they throw in the net singular and they fill it up till it's breaking and let's read the next verse here it says uh verse eight when simon peter saw it he fell down at jesus knees saying depart from me for i am a sinful man O lord if we want revival in our life we got to get serious we've got to see god as being god almighty We've got to see sin as being wicked and unholy and ungodly. We have to understand, according to Romans chapter 1, that the God revealed his wrath. He manifested it. He showed his wrath from heaven when Jesus Christ was on the cross. All of Jesus' life and ministry we see recorded in the four Gospels. Every time he communed with the Father, it was just a precious, loving relationship. Abba, Father. And the Father looked down. This is my beloved Son, in whom I'm well pleased. Why was it then, when Jesus was on the cross, suspended between heaven and earth, he says, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? He no longer was being treated as the beloved Son, but he was being judged for our sin. When I think of that, it makes me ashamed. Just as Peter was ashamed here, he started seeing just a little glimpse of his sin, his unbelief, his disobedience. We need to come to that point. Unless you come to that point, you'll never reach your potential for God. God's got some things he wants to do through your life and through my life. We must be broken. We must repent. And God will not refuse a broken and contrite heart. Amen? But we got to get to that point. What happened here? He heard the word of God and whatever was preached and taught, I believe, was part of all of what led Peter to fall in that state as as just a repenting sinner. Amen. He didn't hear what I'm going to show you in a moment until after he did that. If you don't get to that point, you're not going to go any farther. And Isaiah, let's flip back to Isaiah 6. Isaiah chapter 6. I don't want this to be a distraction. Okay, Isaiah chapter 6. Keep uh, your your place here because we'll come back in just a quick moment here. Isaiah chapter 6. In the year that King Isaiah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne high and lifted up. A lot of times we get our eyes on man or things around us. Isaiah was a good king. He did a lot of good things. And if we're not careful, we can depend on the government or on society uh, or somebody that, that, that we're impressed with and don't have our attention on God. We don't pray the way we should. We don't witness the way we should. We don't live our life the way we should. And verse 2, above it stood the seraphim, speaking of angels. Each one had six wings, and with twain, that's with two, he covered his face. With twain, he covered his feet. With twain, he did fly. And he cried, I'm sorry, and one cried unto another and said, holy, holy, holy. Very similar situation. Peter, he had his eyes on other things. Peter was distracted. Peter had his own mind. He might have been tired and wanted to go home and go to bed or maybe eat. But something happened and brought him out of his lethargy. And he repented. 
And he got right. And now he was ready for God to use him. And we need to get to that point. And I hope before I get through this point that all of us will be to where we need to be. Isaiah needed to get to that same point. To me, these are very parallel passages in some of the truths here. He saw the holiness of Jesus. And he realized that he was not himself. Peter wasn't what he should be. And Isaiah the same. It says here in verse 4, And the post of the door moved at the voice of him that cried, and the house was filled with smoke. Then said I, woe is me. You see the repentance, the brokenness, the, the, the realization God is great and holy, and, I, and I'm just not what I had to be. Then said I, woe is me, for I am undone, because I'm a man of unclean lips. I don't know what he said or what he should have said he didn't say, but that's how he called himself. And I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. We got a whole bunch of believers that aren't what we ought to be. Amen. For mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. We need through faith. That faith is your spiritual eyeballs. You need to be able to see God through the scriptures, through walking with God, through meditating, through the singing. We can be for a moment removed from the flesh and our own thoughts and spiritually really being in God's presence. Amen. Peter was in the presence of God. Jesus Christ is God the Son, amen? Isaiah was in the presence of God. And look at this, it's really interesting here. It says, um, verse 6, Then flew one of the seraphims unto me, having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with the tongs from off the altar. Now our altar is the cross on Calvary, amen? That's where our sacrifice, the Lamb of God, that take away the sin of the world, took our sin away. Verse 7, And he laid it upon my mouth and said, Lo, this hath touched thy lips, and thine iniquity is taken away, and thy sin purged. Amen? If your sin isn't purged, don't expect God to show you the next step. If you got some sin, some net that you know you should be thrown out and you're not doing it, woe unto you. If there's some sin that you've been doing, practicing, thinking, saying, repent of that, amen, or God's not going to be able to bring you to the next level. I want this missions conference to be as successful as possible, but it depends on our submission to God, our understanding we serve a holy God, and that we need to confess all sin, get right with him, and then look what happens. Verse 8, after that and only after that, verse 8, also, that also can't come unless something finished ahead of that. Also, I heard the voice of the Lord. Some people aren't going to hear the voice of the Lord to do the next thing because they haven't gotten things right. And if God's speaking to your heart, I'm begging with you, get it right, amen, whatever it might be. Verse 8, also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then said I, here am I, send me. He wasn't ready before. He wasn't ready to even hear whom shall I send. There's a lot of us that God wants to do more with. But there's something blocking it. Just like that knot was blocking and I couldn't fill that balloon with air at first until it was taken out. Whatever's blocking God's power and blessing and wisdom in your life, ask God tonight to take it away. Amen? So your communion is pure. The channel's wide open. So now let's go back to see Peter and Zebedee and sons. James and John, the sons of Zebedee. Verse 8, when, Peter, when Simon Peter saw it, okay, we're in Luke chapter 5 and verse 8 now. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, depart from me for I'm a sinful man, O Lord. For he was astonished and all that were with him at the draft of the fishes which they had taken. And so was also James and John, the sons of Zebedee, which were partners with Simon. So there was conviction. There were several folks that were there that realized we're not what we ought to be. And they started looking more at Jesus as in the way they should have. And then look what happens. And Jesus said unto Simon, fear not. From henceforth thou shalt catch men. 
some of us tonight, we could start new with our walk of being fishers of men. We can see fruit and results that we never saw before. But we got to get some things right. Maybe we're not ready for that because we got some nagging sin that we don't want to give up. Or maybe we're just half-heartedly serving and we throw in a net. You need to be faithful to every church service. You need to be faithful to give your tithes and your offerings. You need to be faithful to be praying every day, having your devotions. Faithful to try to bring others to church. What net is it that you ha- you've been holding back on God about? You need to be broken like Isaiah and broken like Peter and say, Lord, thank you for showing me what is not right between me and you. Now, maybe you're totally right with God. I'm not talking to to you in in this case, but if you're not totally right with God, I'm asking you, throw out those nets just, and it starts in your will, Lord, I'm going to do it. Are you willing to be willing? Not everybody's going to be called to be a missionary, but everybody ought to struggle with it. If you, if you never struggled with it, you need to. And uh, I mentioned this in one of the, the, our, 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 uh, services that my wife, before I met her, her dad was a pastor and she, she was saved at the age of seven, I believe. But then when she was 16, she went forward at an invitation. She says, God, I'll be whatever you want me to be. I'll do anything you want me to do. Yes, Lord, I'll go anywhere you want me to go except Africa. She's afraid of the poison snakes. And boy, she has seen them. And uh, I mean, she takes a machete and she chases them and she has the edge on them. Amen. And uh, she takes a stick and nothing like that ever entered his mind before. But anyway, um, she was afraid of the malaria and the cholera and the typhoid and all the things and the wars and the rumors of wars and we've had them all but at the age of 16 she was just being honest she she wasn't willing to throw all the nets out that day but two weeks later there was another message she heard and she went forward and she said lord i wasn't totally honest with you i wasn't totally trusting you if you want me to go to africa that's the best place for me and i'm glad she made that decision amen god knew that was five years before i ever met her god was already working on her heart he was already working on me, preparing us. So at the right time, we ended up meeting, and God's, God's really blessed us in so many ways. And so what I'm saying to you is, are you somehow holding back and say, Lord, I'll do anything except for this or that? It doesn't mean God's going to send you to do that. But if you're not willing to be willing, then you're not throwing all the nets in. And, and you need to get down with Peter and Isaiah and say, woe is me. Amen? Now, in conclusion here. It says, and Jesus said unto Simon, fear not, from henceforth thou shalt catch men. And when they had brought their ships to land, they forsook all and followed him. Nothing between me and my Savior, amen? There should be nothing between us. There ought to be no sin. Every net should be cast out. Let's all stand with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. And just think about it. Is there something that God's been speaking to you about this weekend that you know you need to do? Tonight's the time to do it. You can get just as Peter and Isaiah got down and says, woe is me and depart from me. It's not that he didn't want Jesus near him, but he just realized he didn't deserve it. And that's the grace of God. Amen. He said, no, fear not. You're forgiven. And now I can use you. And here's how I want to do it. I'm going to turn the invitation over to the pastor.